into episode 15 of Sunday Matinee. We're 15 episodes deep. Um, as always, I'm joined by Mason. Howdy, Mason folks. Is, yes, Mason is here with me. Uh, not physically, unfortunately, this time. Maybe that'll happen again soon, but I'm currently sitting in my car. Uh, the reason I'm sitting in my car is not because I've been, uh, not because me and Ashley got into a fight, um, but because she's having her girlfriends over tonight because they're watching The Bachelorette. So, um, where Libby is right now. Yeah, and not as many words. She basically told me to get lost. Um, <laughs> and I didn't feel like recording in, you know, the solitude of our bedroom upstairs. So I was like, you know what? It's October 7th or November 17th. I'm going to go and I'm going to get me something Christmassy. I, at first, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go to Chick fil A and get a milkshake because I haven't had a milkshake in a long time. Love milkshakes. I was like, ah, uh, uh, it's it's a little chilly for that. So I was like, I'm gonna go get me something warm from from my local watering hole, which is uh, Starbucks. And um, you know, co- I know you're a big coffee guy. Yeah, pretty big. Um, I I am almost as opposite as it can be. I I don't I don't love coffee. I, I don't have a lot of people like 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 the taste of coffee, but a lot of people like drink coffee just to kind of stay alive at this point um, <laughs> i'm kind of more on that spectrum yeah, unfortunately. Right. I, I don't have a reliance on that mine's diet coke so i take a hot shower and a diet coke and i'm pretty much awake um but you know on occasion i'm like hey i would love something so i went i was like i'm gonna go to starbucks tonight so i go to starbucks over here and I, you know they have their holiday drinks out with the cups and everything but they took christ off of it because this is a godless nation um <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to get me a peppermint mocha, right? Um, which is just, a, it's just, as far as I understand, a cafe mocha, and you'll know more about this than I would. I think it's just like, it's almost like a hot chocolate with a splash of espresso. And then the peppermint one is like just some peppermint syrup in it. Um, yeah, that's pretty that's good. My under, that's my understanding of what a, what a mocha is. Um, so I pull up and I say... Uh, you know, they're like, Hey, can we, first off, he said, can I get you any food? I was like, I mean, no, but also that's the first time I've ever been asked that, Uh, uh, you know, we wanted to talk about Mason was like, let's talk about Starbucks a little bit. I've never just pulled up to a Starbucks and then been like, Hey, Hey, welcome to Starbucks. What can I get you today? It's like, always like, can I get you some food or like, you know, you want me to come down and like, uh, you know, shave your back or something like they never have like a. They never have like a normal like lead-in conversation. It's always like, "Hi, welcome. Would you like to try our, you know?" And it's some kind of off the off out of left field menu item. I was like, "I just want a tall peppermint mocha, please, with whipped cream." And he, I hear a pause, and I'm like, "Okay, he's about to ruin my evening." Um, <laughs> and he says, "We're actually out of peppermint syrup," to which I say. Or think I, I would never say this because I'm far too afraid of or far too um, hesitant for confrontation, especially when they didn't do anything to deserve it. Um, you know, this Starbucks is basically in the parking lot of a Kroger, so I'm like, surely you could walk 75 <laughs> yards because surely Kroger has peppermint something. Um, and I started to be like, they were like, can we get you anything else? You know, me is not a coffee person. I don't, I just genuinely don't like the taste of coffee. I was like, no, just give me, I almost got a hot chocolate, but I was like, that's so stupid. Um, I'm not going to pay. Their $4. hot chocolates are pretty good though. I will it's pretty, say. It's pretty good, but I was like, I'm not going to pay $4 and 32 cents for a hot chocolate. Um, 
So I was just like, give me the whatever the mocha is without the peppermint, I guess. Um, and it just tastes sad. It tastes like I took my first sip of it. And I was like, wow, it's December 26th. My wife is asking me to come downstairs and help her take down the Christmas decorations. Um, there's like that just, you know, it's that we, it's the feeling of that week. It's like, man, we're just sad, but we're trying to make it to New Year's Eve so we can drink to forget about the fact that we've got to do this whole thing over again. Um, so that's where I'm at right now with this, this just normal cafe mocha. It's, it's not bad, but also I, I understand from a lot of coffee lovers that Starbucks is also not good. Okay. So here's my, my Starbucks take. And I, I really didn't get into coffee until later in college. Um, Starbucks lattes are good. Like okay. a pumpkin spice latte, a peppermint mocha, a funny story. My younger sister, Ansley Ross, friend of the show, shout out to Ansley. That's her favorite drink. I, I got one with her in April um of this year so she'll just as long as they're serving she's she's drinking but what a psl or just a latte a peppermint mocha that's her that's her jam yeah yeah, it's good so um anyways but the starbucks starbucks coffee is spotty not great um actually i shouldn't say spotty because what they do and i tell me if you've heard this before they intentionally burn the beans just a little bit and the, the reason they do that is it will taste uniform across the country um, because burnt coffee just kind of tastes like burnt coffee. Now, they don't like eviscerate it. It, it doesn't taste out, outright bad, but just a little bit burnt. And the reason is to give you a uniform experience like what you would get at a Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, et cetera, because, of course, Starbucks is not a small local shop. It's a, it's a national operation. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess that's true because hitting making making a like good cup of coffee is I guess trying to hit a, a moving target. Whereas yes. like making a uniform chicken sandwich is pretty standard. You just send out the, the chicken sand the chicken fillets and they come and then you just kind of you flash fry them and then you slap them on a bun with a couple of pickles. That's pretty standard. Yep. Um, yep. but there's more of an, a science. I won't say it's an art because there's too many baristas out there that think what they do is artistic. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah, um, no, you're exactly right, though. Like, it's the type of, like, how filtered your water is, how um, the length of time that you're doing certain things, you're steeping, you're, and there are, of course, all these different brew methods as well. But a lot, a lot, a lot goes into it. And it would be very difficult to have the same cup of coffee you know, in one place is the other without burning it a little bit. So there you go. I think sense, but they've, yeah, they've, they've monetized, um, they've monetized disappointment. I think, (laughs) um, however, I, I don't, it's not cool to like Starbucks. At least I don't think so. Um, I feel like people always kind of like shamefully admit that they like Starbucks because it's not in this like, well, it's just easy. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's totally it. You know, we have the app. It's pretty quick. It's open past like lunch. Like some coffee shops are, you know, not open as late as Starbucks is. Um, but yeah, it, for a coffee shop that nobody's like super proud of, they print cash. Oh, yeah. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I here's my thing. I I know I'm not allowed to get into coffee, and the reason is is because if I got into coffee, I could. I have enough self awareness. I've talked about it a bit on the show that I know that if I get into something, like I won't be able to stop. Um, and I can see myself being a collector of specifically coffee mugs. Like I could see myself getting into that space. I'm surprised you aren't, even though you don't drink coffee. Well, literally the fact that I don't drink coffee is the only reason I'm not because I, I don't know what I would put in it. Like I'm not, you know, if I got into coffee, I would, I would then have a reason to have mugs. And cause like, you know, you go to Starbucks, even they have the cool mugs that like, you know, some of, I think they've got the series. It's like, they're based on different cities or states. So you can get, right, says, right. you know, and it's got the skyline. And, and I was like, man, I would love that Nashville, you know, Starbucks cup. And I was like, what the, what the heck am I going to do with that thing? Uh, I'm just going to drink diet Coke out of it, which seems like a waste. <laughs> um, so I just don't get it. So I guess liking coffee and, and two, you know, coffee is just expensive, you know, uh, for the most part, like, like if I wanted to go to, if I needed to go to Starbucks, you know, four times a week, that's, you know, that's 25 bucks, um, that I'm not spending. So, you know, it's, it's more so I, I, I'm glad I have the self-awareness to just kind of stay away from it. Um, and I'm glad, you know, and because I'm not so into it, you're not going to find me at like, a, a, a nice like coffee shop. I'm going to go to Starbucks when I get the inkling. And it's going to be just disappointing enough to make sure I don't fall into it. <laughs> so, you're, so I've got you're a good thing. Keeping yourself from falling in love with it. Yeah, I've got a good thing going. Okay. Uh, and I'm really not trying to tear it up. But um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so as much as I want to complain about the fact that they don't have peppermint syrup, the good news is that like the next time I want one, I'm going to be like, yeah, but what if I go out there and they're out of peppermint syrup and that's just not what I want. And so that saves me $4 and 32 cents. So, that, you know, that'll keep you at bay for at least two or three months. Yeah, but once we start getting more into the Christmas time, and it's just like it's just one of those things uh, that like goes well with just the season. So um, they'll I'm, they'll get they'll get four more of my dollars, I'm sure, in the next ten days or so. Um, but we wanted to talk this episode about because we continue to be in this quarantine time. I actually got an email today from uh, you know like a just a blast email out to our whole company. Um, and I, I'm, I'm supposed to be working in a, in a big tower we have in downtown Nashville. But, of course, the, the logistics behind that is difficult because there's thousands of people. Um, and it's hard to kind of corral those people without risking COVID exposure. Uh, so I actually got an email today that we would be working from home until the end of quarter one, which is April 2nd. Um, so it is you know, confirmed that I will be home for at least the next almost five months. Um, and so... While I will be working during that time, of course, um, still remotely, uh, there's a lot more time I have that I'm just sitting at home. Um, and so we wanted to talk about maybe some shows that we should be binging um, during this time of quarantine, because it seems that it's going to kind of extend, hopefully not into perpetuity, but at least for the upcoming near future. So uh, Mason posed the idea of talking about some binge-worthy shows uh, across the different uh, streaming platforms. Um, and so Mason's going to, we're going to do, we decided, I think we decided we'd do five each. Um, we're going to have some across the board as far as genre. I've got, I've got about 10 on a list that are varying genres, whether it's comedy or it's a drama or it's a, you know, a crime thing or whatever. 
um, and they're going to be varying lengths. Some things are, you know, a limited series where it's just a one season or, you know, it's, it's a, it's a longstanding show that has eight seasons plus. Um, so we just wanted to take some time and give some recommendations, stuff that we've been watching, stuff that we've had on a list to watch and watched a few episodes of, uh, and maybe give the folks at home some ideas of some things that they should be binging, uh, if they haven't begun that process already. Absolutely. And kind of my criteria for this, because I don't know about you, Netflix came into my life towards the end of high school and I suddenly found myself like, you know how baby snakes are more dangerous because they, they don't have like the wherewithal to control how much venom they're releasing. Weird metaphor, but do you know that's true? Yes. Okay. That's kind of what I was when I found Netflix. I was just like grinding out eight episodes a day on whatever I thought was funny and no impulse control. What'd you say? No impulse control. Yeah. No impulse control whatsoever. And so, um, looking back over now, my almost 10 year TV show watching career, there are certain shows that myself and when I talk about them with other people, people just figuratively cannot put it down. Um, like, very good for um, binge watching, as we call it now. So my criteria was bingeable, addictive. Um, I tried to only go with shows that have been finished. There's one that's not finished yet, maybe. Um, but for the most part, I, I did finish because I think it'd be cool for people to be able to start and complete within quarantine. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, yeah. I think my list is the opposite. Sorry to cut across. My list is kind of the opposite. So for people who maybe just want to get on board with something that's a season or two in, I've got more of those. Um, so it'll be good. Like if you're the type of person that's like, I want to be able to watch a show from start to finish. Mason's got a few of those. Uh, and then I have some stuff that's in season one or season two um, that you can kind of hop on board with and it can be, you know, your thing. So we've got, we've got stuff across the spectrum. Absolutely. Um, so we said five each, like I'm, I, I made a list of about eight. How many do you have? Do you just have five or I'm sure you have some honorable mentions and things like that in case there was crossover. Yeah. So I have, I have a couple alternates cause some of mine are, are a little obvious on here. You know, people might've seen them. And for those, I, um, I kind of just have like an alternate that will scratch the same edge. Okay. I think, I think mine is eight total. If you count all of those. All right. Okay, yeah, I've got, I think, let me look at my list. I've got, I've got seven. So, um, so we've got like 15 total, so we'll try to give five each and then throw in a couple honorable mentions, uh, as we always do in case of crossover. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to finish my cup of disappointment, and uh, we're going to come right back to give you some shows that you should be binging with fervor this quarantine season, this 20 quarantine, um, and uh, we'll come right back to uh the show always drink responsibly always even if it sucks be right back (laughs) all right we're back um so why don't we just get right into it um i'm gonna let you kick it off um you know just because um i don't know i'm feeling generous um so why don't you kick it off with your first one and I, i don't think we're going in order of like this is the best one on our list or anything like that. We're just giving some options because I think I know just the shows I have on my list are, are very in the scope of their content. So it's, this isn't necessarily like a top 10 list of shows. It's just 
here are some shows you should watch. So I'm going to let you kick it off first and go with your first option. Absolutely. Um, so my first option is How I Met Your Mother. Have you seen this show? I've seen the show, yes. Okay, so How I Met Your Mother is one of the first shows that I ever binge-watched. Did it freshman year of college. And I have a ton of friends that have since. You may know How I Met Your Mother only in comparison to its more popular show, Friends. Are you familiar with this show? Um, You're asking me? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I've heard of Friends. I've heard of it before, yes. Do you have a preference between? Because they're two very distinct camps. Very few people like both of them. I I don't really like How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Actually, I so I would prefer Friends, but there's another show that actually, funny enough, I was about to recommend, is my first recommendation, that is in the same genre that I think is funnier than both Friends and How I Met Your Mother. Okay. I, I, will, let I, think, you, I will let you finish How I Met Your Mother, your, I, your discussion on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, I think I know what show you're going to recommend, because I, I would recommend that one, too. It's in okay. the same vein. You probably um, but I won't steal your thunder. So how about your mother? We have four, right? No, five friends. Yeah, Robin, Ted. Uh, Barney, Barney, Lily. Lily and Marshall. Uh, Marshall. Yes. All supposedly in their mid to late 20s, living in New York City, uh, drinking often at McLaren's pub, shooting the breeze, doing fun stuff. And in how I Met Your Mother, as well as Friends, if that's your cup of tea, of course, are just hangout shows. They're friendship shows that make you feel good because you see these people have community and they do fun stuff together. Um, and, of course, as the show progresses, things change with love interests. And uh, as everybody grows up and eventually moves on from that stage of life, and it's really sad. But anyways, I, I find value in this, of course, is a binge-worthy show. Because we have a a titular character, Ted Mosby, who is, of course, telling his son and daughter um, how he met their mother. And so that is kind of the, I guess, the engine of the story throughout. There are different hints as to who she might be, if we've met her before, when we're going to meet her. And that's what keeps us watching. Um but truly, it's a blast whether you're paying attention to the plot or not. You could jump in anywhere. Of course, I would encourage anyone to start in the first season and watch it chronologically. Um, but this is a great feel-good show. I think it's a lot better than Friends. And I, I, I think people prefer the one they saw first in general. Yeah. Um, my, my only issue with Friends is that I don't like any of the characters, which is a pretty big issue but i don't like i don't like ross i like pretty much everybody else yeah um and so anyways i think both how i met your mother and friends which of course this is not like a deep cut at all i'm sure tons of people have seen those but if you haven't now's a great time it'll make you feel good yeah it's a good one um and and i'll go ahead and recommend what the one that i was thinking of which is new girl um okay is that the one you were thinking, or were you thinking something else? I was thinking you were going to say Community, which is definitely funnier than How I Met Your Mother and Friends, uh, yeah. but I think I, a little less heartfelt at times. Yeah, I I love New Girl, so I, I have to. There's there's not many times in life and in my marriage that like Ashley will recommend something that I've not seen or not done or not 
eaten or whatever it is, any scope of things. Um, there's there's not many times that that just happens ever, but then there's also not that many times that she does that and that I love that thing. Not to say that she has bad taste. It's just that, like, I'm the one that kind of, like, picks the movies we watch. Not that I have some kind of monopoly over that or anything, but, like, she just hasn't seen a lot of movies or shows or whatever. She watches, like, she's the kind of person that binge watches the same shows on a rotation. So she'll go from Gilmore Girls, she'll watch that all the way through, then she'll watch Friends all the way through, and then she'll watch The Office all the way through, and then she'll get to New Girl. So she was watching, she was going through New Girl. And she, like, watches it on her laptop or whatever, you know, when she's at home, gets home from work, she'll watch a couple episodes. Or she'll, she'll watch it um, on Saturdays as she's cleaning the house. Um, and I was like, what are you watching? And she was like, oh, this is New Girl, blah, blah, blah. And so I would, like, catch episodes here and there. Um, but she she was finally like, when are you going to sit down and, like, watch it start to finish? And I still haven't finished the whole thing. I've seen the first couple seasons. Um, but it really is just, like, my type of humor. I really... I really find it very funny. I'm also like not, I think, I, I don't know if I've explained this to you, Mason. I suffer from really bad secondhand embarrassment and like, I don't do well with awkward situations. Like, so really you know, shows like shows like impractical jokers, you know, have you seen that show? Um, yes. That show makes me like, like it makes me break out in hives. Like I, I really don't like that kind of stuff. It, like, Cause I feel embarrassed for the people that are suffering through that. Um, like, I, I just get, I get really bad secondhand embarrassment. So there's, like, sometimes in New Girl, because, like, Zoe Deschanel's character, Jessica Day, is, like, very awkward and, like, very, like, not a lot of self-awareness, but it's, like, really goofy, and she says and does things. I'm just like, oh, my God, that is the, the most awkward thing in the entire world. But it's, like, <laughs> it's written very well, and, you know, it is that, you know, it fits the same thing that How I Met Your Mother and Friends does, where it's, like, there's these friends and they're different sexes and they live in an apartment together in a large metropolitan city. So with friends and how I met your mother, they're in New York with new girl. They're in Los Angeles. Um, and it's, it's Jessica day who's Zoe Deschanel. It's Nick Miller, uh, who I believe his name is Jake, Jake's something, Jake Johnson. I think is his name. He looks um, like a Jake. Yeah. And then Schmidt and then Winston, uh, and then they have some other friends that come in and out, but it's just, you know, typical friend comedy, like, you know, they, they hook up with different people. They hook up with another, with one another, they, you know, they go through relationships and, you know, but it's just, you know, that typical kind of comedy story story where there's lots of friends in their late twenties, early thirties, they're living together, trying to figure out their lives. Um, but I just find it very, very funny. I think Nick, I think Jake, uh, who plays Nick Miller, Nick Miller's just a hilarious character to me. Uh, I really love him as a character. Schmidt ha- has some of the best lines, uh, you know, like in every, like, so like in friends, you got Chandler Bing and then in, in how I met your mother, it's like Barney. And then I think in new girl is Schmidt. Um, they're kind of the comic really, even though the whole thing is funny, they're the guys that, you know, you look at like those, are the funniest ones in the show. Right. Um, so New Girl has a lot of the same archetypes that like a buddy comedy does. Um, and, you know, it can be goofy sometimes, but like New Girl is, you know, I laugh at friends or whatever. And I laugh, I've laughed at How I Met Your Mother, but like New Girl is the one of the first one, times because I'm not a big comedy guy. Like, I think I'm funny enough. So, like, I don't watch a lot of comedy. That sounded, <laughs> that sounded very pretentious, but um, I don't actually believe that. But I, I just don't watch a ton of comedies. But like New Girl, I recently sat down and watched the first couple seasons and was just like laughing very hard for like extended periods of time. Um, and, and so I would recommend new girl. It's on Netflix. There's seven seasons. That show is finished. So like you can watch the whole thing. Um, 
on the off chance that you haven't already seen How I Met Your Mother and New Girl. Um, but I just, I also, I, I love Zoe Deschanel. I think she's the greatest. Um, I think she's, you know, a perfect balance of like very pretty, but uh, also very funny and very talented um, just as an actress. So, uh, yeah, my first recommendation is New Girl. Okay, very quickly, favorite How I Met Your Mother character, favorite New Girl character? Oh, favorite How I Met Your Mother character is probably Marshall. Probably. Uh, and then favorite New Girl character is probably Nick Miller. Okay. I'm Marshall yeah. Winston. Yeah, Winston's great. Yeah, Winston's very great. Schmidt is, I, I love Schmidt too. Schmidt's Schmidt's hilarious. He, I saw a TikTok the other day. It was like the top 10 lines from Schmidt on New Girl. And like, he just says some of the goofiest stuff, but it's, it's also good. But uh, so, yeah, those are our first two. So we've got four more each. Uh, I'll kick it back to you. All right. So my second show is Prison Break. Oh, yes. I fell deep into that. There's like, what, three seasons of that? Three or four seasons? I think there's either three or four. And I love that you said that because here's here's what I'm introing with. This is not the best show of all time. No. It peaks early, but you stick with it. And here's the reason why. I've never spoken with anybody that's seen the show and they didn't have like a bender experience with it. Oh, absolutely. It was like, it was nuts. I lost my job. <laughs> their marriage either flourished or suffered because the, their, their spouse was in with, in with them on it or not. And they just, you know, it was a wild week. Like I just binged it all day, every day for a week. Um, and that's the effect it had on me as well. So me and my brother, when we were in high school, this might have, like, it was either this or The Walking Dead. It was, like, the first TV show I ever got into. But Landon and I would straight up knock out, like, three hours of this every night, one summer in high school. And, like I said, not a perfect show. Some really, really interesting characters and some good actors, too, that you'll see in other things after you've watched the show. And it is just a classic like early thousands action crime drama thriller thing. Uh, the, the plot is that there are these two brothers, Lincoln and Michael. Michael is brilliant, um, very intelligent. He's kind of spent his whole life bailing his, his younger brother Lincoln out. Lincoln is very not intelligent, but he's kind of like the, I guess, the brawn. Yeah of the duo. And yeah, so he's, he's, it's the classic, like he's one of them street smart and one of them's book smart. Exactly. And so the street smart guy beats up people that pick on the book smart guy. And then the book smart guy, you know, is clever enough to talk the street smart guy out of stuff. So, right. So, um, Lincoln, the younger brother gets wrongfully convicted of, of a crime. He tells Michael that, Michael intentionally goes to maximum security prison to get Lincoln out. And that's season one. Um, and, and then of course it goes through so many twists and turns and man, what a ride it is implausible at times, but it's always thrilling and suspenseful. Yeah. I remember having a binge uh, uh, of that show, I, it's been a few years. I can't remember. I probably need to go back and watch it again because it is 
one of those things that just kind of sucks you in and you just have to hit yep next episode <clears throat> um but it is it is very good i, I will say like the acting's not always like great but the storyline is just like really intriguing uh and it's one of those things that's like a well-trodden on story like a prison breakout you know i mean the name of the show is just prison break um, <laughs> you know they're not getting any points for being clever but like you know, there's just a lot of nuances that, that make it very interesting. Uh, like Michael, the guy that the brother that's going in to break him out winds up getting like full body tattoos. Um, and it's like, uh, it's, it's the blue it's basically the, the prison, basically it's the yeah. schematics of the prison, but it's hidden within like these really eloquently done tattoo art, like, uh, of like these really beautiful landscapes and all those things, but he can interpret it and understand the, the land, the layout of the prison. Um, so it's like, uh, I mean, it is, it is really good. It is just one of those that you fall into um, and wind up finishing. And then you kind of come out of your stupor and like, oh, my God, what day is it? Um, so, <laughs> and, yeah, I would, it, I would definitely recommend that one. Um, another thing I'll say really quickly, just for anyone interested in watching it, uh, guys and girls both welcome. It is not like a dumb guys action movie that's over the top gory or violent or I, I know tons of, of women that they love the show so yeah um yeah not a dude show um okay so that's your second one i'm gonna give another um trying to decide what i want to do do i go for the low-hanging fruit or not um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna give a quick one uh there it's just one season it's a limited series it's called the bodyguard it's on Netflix. It stars uh, Richard Madden, who was also, if you watch Game of Thrones, he was Rob Stark. Um, he's also going to be in the upcoming Marvel's film, Marvel film, The Eternals. He's been, what else has he been? He's been Prince Charming in the live-action Cinderella. He's been several different things. Very handsome dude. Uh, he's in talks to be the next James Bond. I really hope that happens. He's one of the favorites, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's he's a... A British intelligence officer, um, and it's one season. It's about ten episodes, I think. But he's on a train, and um, basically, there, there's a terrorist plot that's about to happen, and he convinces this. It's a, it's a woman who's got a who's got a bomb vest, a, a Muslim woman who's got a bomb vest strapped to herself, and he talks her out of it uh, miraculously in the first episode. Um, but then it kind of. He, because he was just kind of a, you know, he's the essential, essentially like a highway patrolman. That's the equivalent of in the British police. He's not like some kind of high up guy, um, but he winds up because of his heroics. He gets like a medal. He gets a higher position uh, and becomes a bodyguard for uh, basically, you know, the secretary of defense equivalent for uh, Brit- the, the United Kingdom. Um, but it's, it's this kind of crime action drama um but also you know he's got like an estranged wife and child um so there's kind of a love story um redemption story to it but it it is just it's a shorter one it's 10 episodes uh the story there's i don't think as far as i'm aware there's not a season two on the on the horizon um it's just one of those it's like man i want something that i can get through but don't have to like commit the next two months of my life to um you know like a like a Grey's Anatomy that's on season like 28 now. Um, you know, it's just something you can sit down and you can get through, you know, even if you were, you know, conservative about it, you could get through the bodyguard in a couple of weeks, you know, watch an episode every other day or whatever, and boom, you're done. Um, but it is, it is, it, I, I really like the show. The acting's very good. The, the cinematography, the cinematography of it's very good. 
Um, it doesn't look cheap or anything like that, you know, because some TV shows, especially TV action shows, can look kind of cheap and, you know, look like CSI Miami where he, he you know, pulls his glasses off and, you know, they, <laughs> they play the who. Um, you know, it is, it's, it's just a very well-written, uh, it's a very well-written um, piece. And I really love that show. I watched it once with Ashley, just found it randomly. And I wound up watching it another two times, like within a month. Um, you know, it, it is just really good. The writing's really good. The action's very good. The suspense is very good. Um, and Richard Madden is just great. And that was the first time I was like, man, they need to make this guy James Bond. So um, if you like James Bond films, this might be a good, you know, side step uh, because it is it, it, it plays like a James Bond film at times. Uh, but with, you know, but still with good acting with Richard Madden. So. So I've heard this show recommended to me several times. I've just never, it just hasn't happened. It's on my list. Would you say it is like action suspense, like prison break? Is it more of like a, I, I don't know what, what genre would you place this under? Cause the name sounds like action. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look online, it's this, it's described as a British police political thriller um so it's like there are some ins and outs of of politics like as he gets up into the higher echelon of his job he realizes there's a bunch of corruption and things like that and so he he's trying to do his job and be a bodyguard but the people he's working for are shady um and so he's trying to do the right thing but also do the job that he's been tasked with doing which is which is essentially being a meat shield for whoever he's working for um but also he sees like the person that he saves uh, or the person that he convinces, you know, they're, they're trying to prosecute her and frame her and all these kinds of things as he gets up into the higher echelon um, of his, of his job and his career. So I would, I would, and he's trying to shield her from that, but he's just trying to be a good person, but also do the job that he's been tasked with doing. Um, and he, another thing is like, he fought, his character fought in, in the, in the war in Afghanistan. And so he's got like PTSD and so he struggles with that. Like they, there's, you know, scenes of him going to therapy and things like that. So it is a very realistic thing, very realistic show. I, I would call it a drama thriller. Um, if I, I guess would be my best. Okay. But it, it doesn't sound like that same kind of like pulse pounding type. No. Deal. Yeah. No, it seems like a John Grisham novel. kind. Of. Right. It's, it's not so much. I said, I compared it to James Bond, but it's not like a nonstop James Bond. Like, He's, you know, he gets to sit down for five minutes and then he's got to jump off a seven story building onto a train <laughs> into the, the ocean and swim up to a boat. Like, it's not all of that, but there are like the action beats make sense in the story. It's not like out of left field, um, but there's some moments that are just very, very suspenseful. And I'm, it, it is very good, Mason. You should watch it. I, there's just there. They, they managed to pe- pack a lot of story and, and narrative into just the, the few number of episodes that they did. Uh, but the story feels complete. It doesn't feel like. You know, some shows just go. Some shows just go a little too long, and they do a second season when they don't need to. Um, and this feels just like a complete compartmentalized story. So, got it. Um, so I think that gives us two each. Uh, I'm gonna let you do one more, and then we'll take a break and come back with our other five. So so far we've gotten How I Met Your Mother, New Girl, The Bodyguard, and then you recommended uh, Prison Break. So I'll give you a chance to give your third one, and then we'll take a break. Yeah. So number three for me is Parks and Recreation. Okay. Okay, so I'm not sure where you stand on the whole mockumentary genre of a, as a whole. I um 
I personally, I've tried the office several times. I, I can't do it. I don't know why. I'm the exact opposite of you. So you like the office. You don't like Parks and Rec. I prefer, I cannot for the life of me. And again, take everything I say with a grain of salt, people. We, we disagree. You know, it's like Monsters, Inc. We scare because we care. We disagree <laughs> because we care about the shows. Um, I, I can't get to the first season of Parks and Rec, man. I can't do it. Okay. Okay. So um, here's where I'll intervene. Um, the first also, season. Here's another, here's, a, here's another thing I, I must say before, because I know what you're going to say, but I'll, I, I'm definitely going to let you say it. Um, I just don't find Amy Poehler funny ever. I've never found her funny. Um, and I find Steve Carell absolutely hilarious. Um, so that is, that is really what it boils down to for me. If you give me the option to watch six seasons of, of Steve Carell and six seasons of Amy Poehler, I will choose Steve Carell eight days of the week. Yep. And if you're judging solely based on those two people, I agree. Um, Amy Poehler's character, Leslie Nope, is actually my least favorite character on the show, most likely. Um, I really watch it for everybody else. Um, that being said, she is the main character. So, obviously, you spend time with her. You love her. I think, the cast, I think the, cast of, the cast of characters in Parks and Rec is a lot stronger than the cast of characters in The Office by, by a country mile, I think. When you yeah. look at Chris Pratt, Aubrey Plaza, Aziz Ansari, Nick Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe, uh, Adam Scott, um, uh, what's the kid, the guy that plays, um, crap, I can't remember his name, uh, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz uh, is great. Um, just compared to, I mean, The Office has John Krasinski, who's a star, Jenna Fisher, who's not necessarily a star, but she's good as Pam, uh, and then like, you know, um, whoever plays Andy Brown, Ed Helms. So I think the cast of characters in Parks and Rec is a lot better, but I, I don't know, man. I just can't do it. But like I said, I can't get to the first season, and you were, you were going to explain why that's a stupid reason. Well, not that it's a stupid reason, but know that I was in your boat. So a, a few of my really good friends, one of them being Evan, Country Ham, Koontz, Van Helsing, Reese, something, um, that's his favorite show, I believe. And so yeah, It's up there for him. I know that. I lived with Evan for a little while, and he tried to get me up to watch a hundred times. I saw the first season two or three times, and was like, "This is terrible. I don't like it." And then I I got to the second season one time, um, and I, I've actually listened to a podcast that some of the producers were on, and they straight up didn't know what it was trying to be season one uh, because of the success of The Office in the U.S. And they're like, is this The Office? Is this something else? And they tried to make it a drama and they tried to do all these different things. Anyways, it clicks about midway through the second season. And you're like, okay, I get this. I'm here. And the re- uh, my reason for it is similar to How I Met Your Mother versus Friends. I really like all of the characters in Parks and Rec. In The Office, I, I mean, they're funny, but I don't like really like them or I'm attached to them. Um, and so anyways, I really like Parks and Rec. It does have a little bit of mockumentary to it, um, as opposed to an, a general office paper company. It takes place at the Parks and Recreation Department, um, within Pawnee, Indiana. And it's a show where, you know, your classic, not a whole lot is going on. So it's nice to chill out and watch, but also it's hilarious because these people are really funny. Yeah, and if I'm if if you're listening to this and you think I'm wrong and I'm stupid and I should watch, I 
I will one day eventually sit down and get through Parks and Rec. I know I will. Um, I just haven't gotten up the intestinal fortitude it takes to get through the first season. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just I'm fine with I'm fine with being on the wrong side of history at this moment. Um, I just prefer The Office, um, and I've watched through that several times. Um, but I, I will admit, like, I know I'm willing to admit that Parks and Rec is, is definitely an objectively funny and good show. I just haven't gotten on board yet. That's all. Yeah. Um, that's all. And um, one other thing, I, I kind of, I fall into the line of thinking where most of the time when someone says to me, oh, just give it three seasons. I'm like, that's a lot of time for something yeah. to take to be good. And I, I'm totally on board with that in most situations. In this one, the show is like visibly different season two to season one. It's not because they just take a while to wind up. It's because they like straight up change direction um, season two on. So I'd encourage anyone to give it a shot. I wouldn't even look at you funny if you started in season two. You also love it because uh, Jerry's a big Colts fan. I do. Andrew Luck and Reggie Wayne and Jim Irsay are in an episode. Yeah, they, it's for his bachelor party, isn't it? Yep, it's um, it's for Andy Dwyer. That's oh, right. For... Yeah, I Andy thought, Dwyer yeah. is his name. Yeah, I, I've seen that episode. Like, I've seen a few episodes here and there. I was like, I just remember them going to Lucas Oil Stadium. If you don't know, Mason's a huge Colts fan, so he's got a big, uh, a big. He's he's a he's an Andrew Luck fanboy. Um, may he may he rest in peace. Um, <laughs> may he and his shoulder rest in peace. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Parks and Rec, I know, is an objectively great show. I just haven't gotten onto it yet, so that's probably more on me than it is on on NBC Studios. So our so far, our recommendations we've given you five have been How I Met Your Mother, New Girl, The Bodyguard, Prison Break, and Parks and Rec. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and do the back half of our ten, uh, and I'll lead off with my third choice, and we'll uh, we'll do that in just a second. Let's do it. All right, let's get into the back half of our quarantine binge-watching recommendations. Uh, I decided that I'm going to pick some low-hanging fruit. Um, I think it's just easier that way. I've given a couple Netflix recommendations, I think. <coughs> Bless you. Is that the COVID? Is that the Allergies, COVID man. It's getting me, yeah. but the show must go on. That show biz. I know it. We got to go. We got to move on. Uh, I've, I've given a couple Netflix recommendations. I think all of yours have been on Netflix. <laughs> Good Lord, son. <laughs> All five of mine are going to be Netflix, actually. Okay, I'm going to take us to a different streaming platform just for variety's sake. Again, low-hanging fruit. I'm recommending Disney Plus' The Mandalorian. Um, we are a season and three episodes in to this series. Um, if you don't know what The Mandalorian is, oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, you've had your chance to speak, Art. It's my turn. Um if you don't know what the Mandalorian is, I don't know how to help you. And I, and, and we're going to need some more people to help get that rock that you've been living under off of you. Um, the Mandalorian is in the star Wars, uh, universe. Uh, it's directed and spearheaded by John Favreau of fame from the Iron Man movies. He was the director. He also starred in it as happy Iron Man's personal assistant slash bodyguard slash just can do it guy. Uh, he also directed the live action shows such as Chef, um, lots of other great movies that he's in uh, and directs. Uh, but he spearheads this. Uh, but also there's different directors that have come in 
and done episodes. Directors like Bryce Dallas Howard, who you might know as an actress in the Jurassic World film. She was also in um, uh, Pete's Dragon, another Disney film. Uh, she's also the daughter of director legend Ron Howard. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, Ron Howard, who played, you know, Opie and Andy Griffith show. He's also in Happy Days. He's directed lots of great movies. Um, but Mandalorian is in the Star Wars universe. It takes place, if you want to put it chronologically on the Star Wars timeline, this is how it goes. You've got chronologically episodes one through three, which came out in the 90s. Then you've got... Uh, then you've got Solo, which takes place after episode three. Then right after that, you've got Rogue One. Uh, and then you've got episodes four, five, and six, which are the original movies that came out in the 70s and 80s. And then right after episode uh, six, which is Return of the Jedi, is right in the time period that The Mandalorian takes place. So the Empire has fallen. The Death Star has been blown up twice. Uh, and it's it's kind of a floundering universe, floundering galaxy after uh, coming out from under empire control, there's the new Republic. Um, and so they're trying to figure out what it means to have a galaxy that's brought together in a sense of peace. Um, but there's still things that take place like bounty hunting. So you come across this character uh, named Din Djarin, uh, who is a Mandalorian. I don't need to get, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of what a Mandalorian is. Uh, you should know that they come from an ancient planet called uh, Mandalore. They're known as warriors, fearless people. Um, and this particular Mandalorian is a bounty hunter who is tasked in the first season with collecting a bounty for a former Empire um, uh, official uh, come to find out. Uh, he's told that the bounty is 50 years old, so he's expecting to go pick up a man with a middle-aged crisis. Uh, instead, he comes across uh, what has been popularized in, in society as Baby Yoda, um, but its actual name for now, uh, canonically, is just The Child. Um, and so they get into lots of uh, fun adventures, as I'm sure you can imagine. If you haven't seen the show, again, I don't judge you, but um, it's probably just because you don't have a Disney Plus subscription, and I'm happy to give you my password so long as you don't go crazy and watch a bunch of stuff I don't care about. Um, the Mandalorian is is great uh, for a few reasons. The story writing is wonderful. The directing is terrific with guys like Taika Waititi, Rick Famuyiwa, Bryce Dallas Howard, John... Uh, Favreau himself. A lot of the writing is done by a guy named Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni actually wrote and directed and animated all of the Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels cartoons, uh, which are also great and are also on Disney+. Plus. That's a little extra recommendation for you uh, if you want some more Star Wars in your life. But the show has great direction, great production. Um, you know, we're in, a, we're in a day and age where big production budgets are spent on on films and a lot of times TV shows can kind of fall through the money cracks uh, and stuff looks cheap or stuff looks rushed. Uh, Disney's Mandal the Mandalorian doesn't look cheap or rushed. It looks beautiful. The cinematography is amazing. They have this perfect blend that star Wars is known for of computer generated images and practical effects. A lot of the monsters that you'll see that he fights that the Mandalorian fights in the show are, you might believe are CGI, but, a lot of them are just practical effects and it's puppeteers and people in big stupid costumes. Um, and I think that adds a sense of, um, of closeness and realness to the show uh, that is just kind of hard to find when it's just easier to put everything into a computer and let it run these days. Um, they really, John Favreau uh, really wants to make sure that it, he stays true to the nature of star Wars. Um, but the action is fantastic. The acting is good. The direction is good. I can't say anything about bad about the show. 
Um, there's characters that you care a lot for, like the child. Um, but it, it really is just a great show. And it, this is another one of those that you can watch the first season in a couple weeks and get caught right up. Because right now, as we record this on November 16th, you'll hear this episode on November 22nd uh, or November 17th. Excuse me. You'll hear this on the 22nd of November. Um, by that time, we'll be four episodes in and you can watch the remainder of season two every Friday uh, when the episodes are released on Disney+. Plus. So that's my recommendation, The Mandalorian. I could do an entire podcast about The Mandalorian, break down each episode and why it's important. Um, but it really is just great storytelling, great writing, great production, all of it. Absolutely love The Mandalorian. I am. I actually still need to watch the third episode of the second oh my, season. Oh my god, it's so good. So, it's my so favorite good. things about The Mandalorian, it is, like you said, gorgeous. Um, it, it's very clear that they have like three times the budget of most shows these days. Yeah. And on top of that, another thing I would say... Kind of like the MCU, it can be intimidating to watch something Star Wars if you're not like a scholar on it. Sure. This isn't like that. This it's, approach- story, it's approachable. It's incredibly linear. Yes, if you've seen and know all the little things, which I don't, um, you know, there might be some value added to the show. But the story makes sense and you're not missing pieces, even if you haven't watched every movie ten times. Yeah. Um, so feel like you can approach it even if you're not a huge star wars person it's terrific and jordan you've told me before it's is it your favorite star wars thing that's come out in the last 10 years is that what you said so disney since disney's purchase of lucasfilm have been you know admittedly and i don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail because again i could i could go off for an hour um disney's been hit or miss with their star wars property um, investments. Uh, I think the force awakens, which is episode seven was good. I think, uh, the last Jedi was, I, I, oh, let me rephrase. I think the, the, the force awakens is, is a great movie. I think the last Jedi, I think I've fallen is, is just a, is a good movie. I think the rise of Skywalker is uh, borderline the worst star Wars thing that's ever been made. <laughs> I think solo is below average. And I, and I think that, Rogue One, and I've said it before, Rogue One, which was made as a standalone film, not an episodic film, is my favorite Star Wars anything, uh, and Mandalorian is right beneath that. Uh, so if you if you had a gun to my head and made me rank Star Wars productions, I'm going Rogue One, then the Mandalorian, and then, you know, probably the very first Star Wars. So two out of my top three are things that have been made in the last five years. Um, so, but they're hit or miss, you know, and Star Wars has this tough line to ride where there's so many people that think and love Star Wars and it means different things to different people. Um, um, so, you know, it's hard to completely miss. They managed to do it with the rise of Skywalker because God, that movie was awful. Um, I literally, I cannot stand that movie. Everything. Yeah. It's, it's atrocious. Everything about it is wrong. Everything about it's wrong. Um, but, They've been hit or miss, but Rogue One is is my favorite Star Wars anything, and The Mandalorian is very close behind and could very well overtake it because the direction they're going and the storylines they're trying to weave in, they're, they're, it looks like they're heading in a direction to kind of tie in a lot of stuff from the animated series, which I mentioned, uh, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And again, as Mason said, it's still not intimidating if you haven't seen all that because they explain it. 
Um, but you know, it's just one of those things that like, if you have seen those things, it's like this added, like, Oh my God, I, I remember that person from that thing. Um, but you can still follow it. Even if you, you don't need to know every character's backstory. It is a very linear approachable storyline. Um, yeah. The Mandalorian is, is wow. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really good. Uh, the, the child, uh, because in the prequels that they made in the 90s, they CGI'd Yoda. In the originals back in the 70s and 80s, he was a puppet that was puppeted by Frank Oz. Um, and Frank Oz was, you know, he worked with Jim Henson and the Muppets. And but, So now they've gone back to the child is, is 100% a puppet. It's a puppeteer. There's Baby Yoda or the child is no CGI. It's that perfect blend of practical effects and CGI. And they're spending their budget well. Um, and it's it's just... As a, as a Star Wars fan for my most of my my entire life, it's just good to see them get stuff right over and over again with this project. So, Absolutely. The Mandalorian. So you, go watch yes, it. You need to watch it. Uh, if you haven't, again, text me. I will give you my Disney Plus password. I mean it. Um, so you have your fourth recommendation. Yep. So my fourth re- recommendation, and this one is risky. It's Hannibal a newcomer to Netflix. Have you seen Hannibal? I have, yeah. Okay, so the reason I say it's risky, this is an incredibly dark show. Um, there are things in the show that I think will disturb most people. Um, just from a, like, I, I mean, how would you even describe it? Like, body horror, violence? Yeah, psychological body horror, yeah. Yep. So, anyways, there's some back, of that. Give backstory on Han- I mean, I'm sure you're going there, but um, what Hannibal is and what it's tied to. Yeah. So, absolutely, Hannibal is a cannibal, which is in part why his name is Hannibal. So, um, yeah, he's the the I guess you'd call him a villain from Silence of the Lambs. They did a spinoff show on him, basically just talking about his life prior to the events that take place in silence of the lambs and uh this show is awesome and it is very addicting much like um prison break it is a pulse pounding suspenseful um mystery there's some mystery to it as well and much like silence of the lambs and i like that it does this um it is really heavy on showing how similar Hannibal is to a normal person. So Will, our protagonist, the the individual that we follow throughout the show, is a normal guy, quote-unquote, works for, I I believe they work, it's like the FBI almost, right? It's like a detective unit. Yeah. And... It's a lot like it's a lot like criminal profiling, like you see. And I hope I'm not stealing one of your recommendations, but like if you've watched Mindhunter, it's a lot like yes. what they're doing with criminal profiling. Exactly, and just like Sounds of the Lambs, they're tracking down serial killers in this mm-hmm. show, and which is of course ironic because Hannibal is one, and they bring Hannibal in on different cases to try to help them find serial killers because he's like a leading psychologist or psychiatrist in the area. And so, of course, he can give them good tips on where the individual will strike next, who they're going to strike, things like that, that help them end up catching these other serial killers, which, of course, part of the reason he knows this so well is because he himself is a serial killer. 
And um, as you can imagine, there are a bunch of different twists and turns with this, um, this criminal profiling unit working with a serial killer unknowingly to catch other serial killers. So dark show, intense show, hard to watch at times, but if you can handle it, um, you know, if you're and you know, you'll probably know within the first season if you can or not, it is so, 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 so good. It is awesome. Uh, I haven't watched all of Hannibal. I think when it originally came out, it was on Amazon Prime. Am I making that up? I think so. I think it was. I I watched, I think, like three episodes of it, and I think that I think it was a situation where I could like get the first three episodes free and I didn't feel like I was too cheap to pay for the rest of them because we were in like college. Um, so I haven't seen all of it, but now that it's on Netflix, I saw that the other day and it's actually on my list on Netflix. So I'm going to watch it. So I don't have a lot to say about it on top of what you said, because you have seen exponentially more of it than I have. Um, but Mindhunter's not on your list, is it? It's not on my list. I love okay. Mindhunter. I yeah, just so wanted I, to stick I, to stuff that was completed. Yeah, it's not on my list either, but uh, if you like that kind of stuff that he just described with Hannibal, Mindhunter might also be one to check out, but that's just, that one was free. Um, I'm going to go to my fourth one, which uh, is going to be a quick one. I wanted to throw, so we've, we've each done a couple comedies. We've done some crime dramas. We've done some action stuff. We've done, you know, uh, space stuff. I want to do something that's more like, kind of like reality slash documentary, um, which is a show on Netflix called The Chef's Table. Um, I'm a, I'm a big foodie, not in a pretentious way, but just, I like food and I find it interesting uh, to see how other people, um, you know, interpret food and how other cultures interact with food because it is, it's food is, I think a lot of times we, we don't realize like how, how much like sitting around a table and eating a meal together is kind of a spiritual thing. Um, and it's more than just a necessity uh, you know, food, we just look at it as, well, I need it so I don't die in my sleep this evening. It's um, the chef's table goes around the world and does basically each episode is basically a mini one hour documentary on a proficient, uh, prolific chef from all over the world. So there's there's like four or five different seasons and each episode, each season has got about eight people. So there's about there's about there's about thirty five to thirty to forty episodes of this on Netflix of different chefs from around the world, places like Brazil and New York and France and Italy. But it's, it's the top chefs in the world. If you know anything about cooking um, and I, I, I love that kind of thing. Um, But there was, you know, for instance, there's one about a chef in, in Savannah, Georgia. um, Her name is Mashama Bailey. um, And she owns a restaurant called the gray in, in Savannah, Georgia. Um, And, that goes into her, it kind of gives you story about her background and where she, why she is, where she is. Uh, and it does that with each, with each person. But Mashama Bailey is like a world renowned chef. She was actually the first African-American woman to win what's called the James Beard award, which each year is given in America for the greatest chef essentially. Um, so she's the first African-American woman to ever win the James Beard award. Um, so she is, out, she's a phenomenal chef. But she grew up in Savannah, Georgia, wound up going to study cooking. She studied fine dining in France, which is just where you go if you study cooking. Um, and then she wound up opening, uh, working in a shop, in like a, in a sandwich shop in New York and worked in, in places there and wound up getting called back home. And she opened a restaurant there. And 
the restaurant's called The Gray. What she did was she bought, the reason it's called The Gray is she bought out an old Greyhound bus station that was specifically for black people in Savannah. Um, and she's turned that old segregated colored bus station into a restaurant that feeds hundreds and thousands and millions of people each and every year. Um, but she, she keeps it true to the history that is there. Um, but she uses that place that could be a place of, you know, uh, of painful memories and, and uses it to share her life story through the food that she makes. Um, and Ashley and I actually two months ago were able, we were on vacation in Savannah and I managed to get a res- a reservation and actually ate, we ate there. And then I met Mashama Bailey um, and she is just as kind and as genuine and as generous and as a normal person as you can be. Um, but just very passionate about her cooking and, and the people she gets to feed. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's like her, it's, it's her gift. And so each episode of this, of this show dives into somebody with that same level of depth. Um, but there's places like there's, I love it because it gives me like, I always, I don't know about you, Mason, but I like, I love planning vacations and I'll dream up a vacation and plan it in my head or I'll, I'll make an Excel spreadsheet or a word document of like, Hey, we're going to go to this place and we're going to do that and eat this and go here. Um, and I have all, I have a whole litany of, of fake vacations planned. Um, and this show has, this show has given me like places to eat. Like when I go back, I studied abroad in Italy, but when I go back, there's, there's an episode there on, on a, on a, one of the, it used to be the greatest, it was at one time the greatest restaurant in the world. It's called Osteria Francescana and it's in Italy and it, it dives into that chef. So if you like food, if you find cooking shows interesting, this show, The Chef's Table, is like a more artistic, in-depth view at, at chefs all around the world, uh, why they make the food they do, why they do the things they do, what it means to them to be a chef and to feed people and love people in that way. Um, and I just find it very interesting, but it's also not something you have to, you know, it's not like a show you got to like pay attention to and like pick up on little narrative notes. It's just getting to know people on a, on a level that, um, that you can appreciate, which is just food. Everybody loves food. We all have to eat it. Um, and it's just a good show to sit down and and watch. It's a, it's a great show to just kind of have on, even in the background. I, 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 my background, my go-to background show is planet earth. If I have people over, I'll throw planet earth on because you know, you can tune in and there's monkeys doing stuff and then you can talk to people in the room. Then you go back and there's, those stupid birds that dance like they, you know, in the Amazon that like do those stupid dances. <laughs> um, but chef's table is, you know, just one of those things. It's, it's easy watching TV, but um, you know, when you tune in, you can get to know people, get to know cultures around the world and what's important to them. Uh, and I just think it's a, it's a really cool show. So. Yeah. I've, I've never seen that either. I do actually watch a lot of nonfiction documentary style stuff and that, that totally interests me. So I'm in, um, but yeah. Also, gotten into cooking recently. Like there it is. Starting this year, I would say I've I've gotten a little more, I guess, adventurous. Invested yeah. in a grill, and that's changed everything for me. Um, but yeah, sounds good, man. Well, I'm gonna let you go ahead with your last one. All right. So my last one, best one, is Breaking Bad. Of course. And the only reason that this is on this list for me is because it's the best show ever. Okay, I'll allow it. Yeah, so Breaking Bad, um, starting with the plot, one of the coolest plots ever. Um, You know, we we have a, a father. He's married, has a son. His son is 
mentally handicapped, discovers he has cancer and doesn't tell anyone. Knows that they don't have the money for it. He's a high school chemistry teacher. And, you know, we, we come to find out that he could have been very successful, didn't take the risks in life that he could have. And other people basically took his ideas and, and got very wealthy off of it. So he's kind of lived his life with this chip on his shoulder. Life has been hard for me. Providing for my family has been hard for me. Um, you know, they have different things that they have to pay for in terms of care for their son. And now cancer. And, you know, of, of course, all the treatment and, and money required to do that. So he decides, well, I need to figure out something to make money quickly. Well, given his expertise in chemistry, that naturally leads him to the drug trade and specifically um, cooking up these more, more hardcore drugs and profiting from that. So it is a in the purest purest sense of the genre like a Shakespearean tragedy that's what it feels like as we watch innocent teacher get into this I guess sect of of the community and then gradually it kind of eats them from the inside out it, it's a tragedy um, and you know it's it's very evident that that's where the show's going so anyways um, could not recommend Breaking Bad enough the writing like the dialogue in the show is off the charts the acting i don't think i even really need to say anything about it it's jesse pinkman who is played by what's that guy's name again aaron aaron paul aaron paul who by the way this shows how good the writing is aaron paul has not been successful in anything since breaking bad but he was absolutely uh, he was in a, they him. made a they made a movie based on the Need for Speed video game that he was in, uh, and then he was in Westworld, um, and that's been about the only thing that I remember his name being in. So, um, and, and then of course we have um, playing the, dad, Walter the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, which is also a great casting choice because he's you know was America's father, and you know then went on the show where he was a a father as well. So to, uh, to describe his acting performance, Sir Anthony Hopkins, which is funny. The guy who played Hannibal, um, in silence of the lambs actually wrote a letter to what's the name of the guy who plays Walter White again. I don't Brian know why Cranston. that's escaping. Brian Cranston. Brian. There Cranston. you go. So Sir Anthony Hopkins, upon watching breaking bad, wrote a letter to Brian Cranston. And said it was the greatest acting performance he'd ever seen. High praise. True story. And so Breaking Bad, much like the drugs entailed in the show, incredibly addicting. Um, and that's as far as I'm going to go with that metaphor. But it is a perfect show. My favorite show. It's a great show. And if you've seen it already, as a lot of people have, Better Call Saul is also amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. There's not many times that you can come around, you know, and say something uh, hyperbolic um, and it, you know, be just kind of accepted, you know, you know, cause it's like, I can be like, listen, um, 
you know, Rogue One is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. There might be like a handful of people that agree with me, but the most people are going to be like, no, Breaking Bad, you can literally say is the greatest show of all time. And you'll be more hard pressed to find somebody that disagrees with that than agrees with you. Um, So it's just one of those anytime that that kind of happens in culture and popular culture, like you need to you need to see that thing. Um, Because some of the greatest shows of all time, The Sopranos, The Wire. Uh, Deadwood, um, Seinfeld, like those are all, you know, considered to be some of the greatest shows of all time. Cheers, things like that. You can say Breaking Bad, you consider Breaking Bad to be the greatest show of all time. And uh, you're going to come across people who say like, yeah, probably. Then you are people like, no, there's no way. Uh, It is just, it is that good. It's, it's, it's not hyperbolic to say that it is the greatest show of all time. If somebody tells me that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's good. I accept that. Um, even if it's not my favorite, like I can't be mad at it because it is objectively one of the greatest shows of all time. Um, so you should definitely watch it. Do you have anything else you want to say about Breaking Bad or can I give you my last one? The the excuse people typically have when they've started Breaking Bad before and didn't, you know, get into it. The first episode, you see an old man in tidy whities It's a part of it. It's not graphic. It is uncomfortable. I understand. <laughs> Push through it. And everybody who's seen Breaking Bad agrees and understands that Skylar White, who is Walter White's wife, is probably the worst character that's ever been committed to, to the screen. Um, but we just you move past it. She's awful. I, I hate everything about Skylar White, but that show is still objectively one of the greatest of all time. Um, so... Moving on to my last one, uh, just a quick recap of all the shows we recommended. See if I can remember off the top of the dome. Uh, How I Met Your Mother, New Girl, The Bodyguard, uh, Prison Break, Hannibal, um, The Mandalorian, um, Chef's Table, then you recommended Breaking Bad, and then I'm missing one of yours. Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. So my last one, even though I said I'm not somebody who watches a lot of comedy, my last one is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is is the funniest thing I've ever watched, um, uh, especially funniest TV show. And I'll just explain it as this because we're, we're running out of time. It's Always fun, Sunny in Philadelphia. It chronicles three friends, uh, three guys, Mac, Charlie, and Dennis, and they – and Dennis's sister and they own a bar together in Philadelphia. One of the very first episodes, they realize that they're, they're low on money. So they decide that they would do um, open bar nights and lower the cost of drinks and they would stop carting people. And so their bar uh, patties in, in Philadelphia becomes like this hangout for like underage drinkers. And, you know, as a poet, they, they go up against this kind of like, well, it's not good because we're serving underage people with alcohol, but also like they were kind of goofy in high school. So they're getting recognized as like the cool people. Um, and so it turns into then a competition of which one of them can get a date with one of the kids to their prom. Um, so that's like one of the very first episodes. It's it's very like off color humor if you're if you're kind of more a sensitive uh, hearted person and don't like a lot of off color humor. Uh, this is not the show for you. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, but 
you know, some of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, I love uh, the guy who plays Charlie, Charlie Day. I find him absolutely, absolutely hilarious. Um, and the show, this first season is is very funny. It's kind of like Parks and Rec, but then eventually it gets way funnier because then Danny DeVito joins the show. Um, and he plays Dennis's estranged father. And Danny DeVito is just like at his maximum Danny DeVito-ness. <laughs> um, and the show is just drop dead funny from opening to close. Um, and it's just, it's just so, gosh, so good. Um, it is so funny, but that's all I've really got to say about that. Um, so I've show? never seen it. I've had a lot of people just like the bodyguard, a ton of people have told me how great it is and it's on my list. So I'm glad that you kind of gave me a list to, to leave here and watch some stuff too. Yeah. So, quick recap of our shows. Mine were The New Girl, The Bodyguard, uh, The Mandalorian, Chef's Table, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mason then hit us with How I Met Your Mother, Prison Break, uh, Breaking Bad, Hannibal, and Parks and Recreation. Uh, Is there anything else we need to say before we give our typical outro this evening? I think I'm good. Y'all, we're in the... uh the midst of the second wave no more excuses those shows you've always wanted to see let's knock them out let's do it together we'll do it together uh as i say always thank you so much for listening to sunday matinee we much appreciate your patronage um if you would please give us a follow on itunes give us a follow on spotify or give us a follow on google podcast whichever one of those three platforms you listen to us on, please subscribe. If those, if those platforms give you the option to leave us a review, we would love it if you did so. Um, also, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on those platforms if you just search Sunday, like the day of the week, space matinee, M-A-T-I-N-E-E. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at matinee underscore pod, P-O-D. Uh, you can give us a follow there. Please, if you listen to the show, let us know you've listened. A lot of you have texted us recently. We have recently eclipsed uh, over 600 listens on our podcast. So we're, we're trying to get, I would love to get to a thousand listens by our first anniversary, which is just 10 episodes away. So I'm, I'm thinking the math works out and we can get close to it. So please share this with a friend, share this with a loved one. Uh, or if you think it sucks, share it with somebody you hate. Cause it's a listen either way. Um, <laughs> But we appreciate everything uh, you do for us. We appreciate all the text. Shout outs to Michael Atkinson and Cayman. Uh, and Cayman, you guys know who you are. We appreciate you guys reaching out to us. Um, and uh, we just hope that you keep listening again. Please share it with somebody you know. Uh, last thing I'll say, Mason, I have one more thing to say, unless you have anything. You got it, man. Take it away. Okay. My last word of the evening. People, we're in the second wave, as Mason said. It is flu season it's many other things season wear a mask okay that's all you got to do it's not hard it's not a political statement if this causes you not to want to listen to this podcast i'm very sorry but all i'll say is please wear your mask please be courteous to others and please like mason has done this entire podcast don't sneeze on people when you're in close (laughs) proximity um we don't have anything else to say other than tip your waiters be safe out there and have a very happy Thanksgiving because we won't talk to you again until after that holiday. So we hope you have a Merry Thanksgiving. I'm saying Merry Thanksgiving as if that's the phrase. Have a happy Thanksgiving instead. 
Um, Mason, anything else you want to add? Man, that's it. It's been a good episode. Good talking to you, Jay. Yeah, let us know. if. By the way, please text us with your recommendations if we miss them, uh, some shows that maybe we need to add to our list. But we really appreciate your listenership. We hope you continue to listen. Again, share with a friend, family, or loved one. Till next time, I've been Jordan. This has been Mason. This has been Sunday Matinee. Hope you have a wonderful week. Peace, love, and blessings.